Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a great show lined up for you today, including guests, special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She's up in Tallahassee for the special session. We'll visit with Kathleen as well as Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, will be joining us as well at the end of the show. It is April the 19th, and on this day in 1775, 700 British troops on a mission to capture Patriot leaders and seize Patriot Arsenal marched into Lexington to find 77 armed Minutemen under Captain John Parker waiting for them on the town's common green. British Major John Pitcairn ordered the outnumbered Patriots to disperse, and after a moment's hesitation, an American began to drift off into the green. Suddenly, a shot was fired. From the undetermined gun and a cloud of musket smoke soon covered the green. That would be called the shot heard round the world. When the brief battle of Lexington ended, eight Americans lay dead or dying and ten others were wounded. Uh, only one British soldier was injured, but the American Revolution had begun. By 1775, 1775, tensions between the American colonies and the British government approached the breaking point, especially in Massachusetts, where Patriot leaders formed a shadow revolutionary government and trained militias to prepare for armed conflict with British troops occupying Boston. In the spring of 1775, General Thomas Gage, the British governor of Massachusetts, received instructions from England to seize all stores of weapons and gunpowder accessible to American insurgents. On April the 18th, he ordered British troops to march against the Patriot Arsenal at Concord and capture Patriot leaders Samuel Adams and John Hancock, known to be hiding in Lexington. The British uh, Boston Patriots had been preparing for such military action by the British for some time, and upon learning of the British plan, Patriots Paul Revere and William Dawes were ordered to send out to rouse the militia and warn Adams and Han Hancock. When the British troops arrived in Lexington, a group of uh, militia were waiting. The Patriots were routed within minutes, but warfare had begun, leading to calls to arms across Massachusetts and the countryside. When the British troops uh, reached Concord, at about 7 a.m., they found themselves encircled by hundreds of armed Patriots. They managed to destroy the military supplies the Americans had collected, but which were so precious, but were soon uh, advanced against the, by a gang of Minutemen who inflicted numerous casualties. Lieutenant Colonel Francis Smith, the overall commander of the British force, ordered his men to return to Boston without directly engaging with the Americans. As the British retraced their 16-mile journey, their lines were constantly beset by Patriot marksmen and firing at them from behind trees, rocks, and stone walls. At Lexington, Captain uh, Parker's militia had its revenge, killing several British soldiers as the Redcoats uh, hastily marched through town. By the time the British arrived, uh, finally arrived and reached the safety of Boston, nearly 300 British soldiers had been killed, wounded, or missing in action. The Patriots suffered fewer than 100 casualties. The battles of Lexington and Concord were the first battles of the American Revolution and a conflict that would escalate from a colonial uprising into a world uh, war that, seven years later, would give the birth to the independent United, uh, nation of the United States of America the story of our beginning. Very brave uh, people and patriots uh, in Lexington and Concord. Speaking of which, this is kind of an inspiring story. Uh, along this kind of the same route, the marathon, the 126th and 50th since women were first allowed to compete, went off on Patriots Day for the first time since 2019, a span of 1,099 days. The COVID-19 pandemic forced the race to be a virtual event in September 2020 and bumping it to October last year. When the Red Sox are holding up their end of the tradition with an 11 a.m. start against the Twins at Fenway Park, a few blocks from the finish line, and the buzz of the Celtics' last second victory on Sunday night against the Nets still in the air, the collective good mood and good vibes were palpable. That feeling was best captured by the women's race, uh, 
where competition and camaraderie ran stride for stride. Uh, the Kenya's participant, uh, uh, Perez, Jim Chipshear, won in, in a time of two hours and 21 minutes. Can you imagine 26 miles, two hours, and 21 minutes, making the 28-year-old the first runner to win the Boston and New York marathons as Olympic gold in the event. Uh, the region was awash with inspiration Monday as determined marathoners ran and wheeled their way from Hopkinton, Hopkinton to Copley Square, a, a similar story unspooled in Fenway Park. By the way, the two runners, the two winners, from women who came in first and second, apparently at times were uh, sharing water along the race and encouraging each other. It was a real demonstration of the best part of competition, women working together in order to support each other. But the other great story at Fenway Park was 42-year-old Rich Hill took the mound only three days after the death of his father, Lloyd, Major League Baseball allows for a bereavement leave, but Hill decided to stay with the Red Sox and take his turn in the rotation as it, as uh, scheduled. Lloyd Hill, who's 94, ran the Boston Marathon 37 times, so you can bet his son took the ball on Patriots Day. But what beyond this coincidence, one of the lessons his father taught Hill when he was was to fulfill your obligations when people are counting on you. The job is to be a professional and show up no matter what circumstances that are outside of the clubhouse or outside the lines, Hill said, his voice breaking. You show up and you're a pro, and that's something that I learned from my dad. What a story, huh? Hill was lifted in the fifth inning after allowing four runs in a game. You'd like to think the storybook ending would be he won the game, but he didn't. Uh, Cora did not typically have a conversation of more than a few words when he comes to the mound to take a, uh, the ball from the pitcher. But he had a message for Hill. He said, I can't even imagine the emotions and the feelings and everything, COVID, uh, Cora said. Cora, of course, the manager of the Red Sox. I, took him, uh, I told him we are very proud of him. We are family here for him. With the entire infield around him, Cora patted Hill on the back and called for a reliever. The crowd applauded as the left-hander slowly walked back to the dugout. The area of Boston certainly healed since <clears throat> the 2000. 13, Boston Marathon, when the Sar Sarnarov uh, brothers uh, bombed, terror bombing of the uh, Boston Marathon, a terrible, terrible outcome on uh, Patriots Day, sadly. But uh, this was an inspiring day for, uh, I think, all of us, uh, what happened in Boston. Well, in an effort to rein in the state's spiking property insurance costs, Governor Ron DeSantis announced Monday that he'll call for lawmakers back into Tallahassee in May to tackle the issue during a special legislative session. Uh, DeSantis indicated the GOP leaders have agreed on a framework for a property insurance bill. What I said is that on some of these issues that if we can get to, to a place where we can eventually punch it through, then we would be absolutely have to have a special session, the governor said in an event in Jacksonville. And so those are issues like property insurance, trying to bring some sanity and stabilize uh, and, uh, and have a functioning market. I'm confident that we're going to be able to get that done, he said. The governor said he's still working with legislative leaders on dates for the special session and will be signing a proclamation later this week to make it official. I'm not confident that we'll be able to punch it through this week, but when I will be signing this week is a proclamation to set the date for a special session in May, he said. We're going to work with the legislative leaders on this date and we'll have uh, as the uh, main focus the reform of property insurance markets. Uh, property insurance companies have been dropping customers and pushing double-digit rate hikes as they complain about litigation costs and other issues. The three Florida insurers, St. John's Insurance, Avatar Property and Casualty Insurance, and Gulfstream Property and Casualty Insurance have failed recently, sending more customers to the state-run Citizens Property Insurance. DeSantis said the special session may not be limited to property insurance legislation. We may also have to address other issues that came close to getting across the finish line, he said, uh, that maybe we can tweak and uh, get there. And once we have the agreement on all that, I'll be announcing that in a, as, in a, as an addition as well, he said. So special legislative uh, session in May. We'll look forward to talk to Kathleen Pasademo, our state senator, in just a few minutes about her expectations, uh, not only for this week and what's happening with regard to the maps for congressional maps, but also for the special legislative session. 
Well, the Biden administration will no longer enforce a U.S. mask mandate on public transportation after a federal judge in Florida yesterday ruled the 14-month-old directive was unlawful, overturning a key White House effort to reduce the spread of COVID-19 or to create more havoc among civilians and patrons and U.S. citizens. Soon after the announcement, U.S. Airlines, Alaska Airlines, relaxed the restrictions effective immediately in all domestic flights. Uh, Joe Biden's Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, announced Monday evening it will not enforce mass mandates at airports in light of the judge's order on Monday that declared uh, mandates on federal airplanes illegal. The uh, ruling by U.S. District uh, Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell an appointee of President Donald Trump came to a, a, as a, a lawsuit filed last year in Tampa, Florida, by a group called the Health Freedom Defense Fund. Judge Mizell said the U.S. Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention, CDC, had exceeded its authority with the mandate, had not sought public comment, and did not adequately explain its decisions. A U.S. administration official said that while the agencies were assessing potential next steps, the court's decision meant CDC's public transportation masking order was no longer in effect. The administration could still opt to appeal the order or seek an emergency delay in the order's uh, enforcement. Therefore, TSA will not enforce its security directives and emergency amendment requiring mask use on public transportation and transportation hubs at this time. I know for Linda and I, that means we'll start considering traveling again, maybe. The CDC recommends that people continue to wear masks in order indoor public transportation settings. (laughs) Those people just don't give up, do they? The ruling came as uh, COVID-19 infections rise again in the United States with 36,251 new infections reported on the average each day and 460 daily deaths based on a seven-day average, the highest number of reported COVID deaths in the world. The White House called the ruling disappointing. Last week, U.S. officials extended by 15 days the mandate required travelers to wear masks on airplanes, trains, and taxis, rideshare vehicles, or transit hubs, saying they needed time to assess the impact of recent rise in COVID-19 cases. Industry groups and Republican lawmakers have wanted the administration to end the 14-month-old mask mandate uh, last week, and United Airlines said Monday masks are no longer required on domestic flights and select international ones on U.S. airports. Alaska Airlines said face masks are now optional on its plane. Saw a video. I'm sure you probably saw it, too. It was announced in the, while a plane was in the air. I think it was a Delta flight. Not sure. Maybe a U.S. United Airlines. But uh, people were cheering, taking off their masks, throwing them in the air. It was, <laughs> it was quite a sight. Well, this uh, draconian efforts to mask up people and perhaps uh, even the uh, uh, the uh, Uh, Vaccine mandates, hopefully, will be a thing of the past. Uh, Airlines for America, which represents U.S. uh, passenger airlines, said the announcement they are strong advocates for eliminating pandemic-era policies and are encouraged by the lifting of the federal mandate. Good news indeed. Uh, So uh, no more masks. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples the website is lifeinnaples.net coming up kathleen pasadomo our state senator that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website 
website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability creating policies and programs to get able bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator and soon-to-be Senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. You're in Tallahassee for the special session. I am. I am. I took the red eye I called from Naples yesterday morning at 6 o'clock. And by the way, everybody who must have been in Naples for Easter was at the airport at 4.30 in the morning. It was amazing. <laughs> really? Is there a direct flight to Tallahassee uh, yet from? No. 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 There, you know, about, I'd say about 20 years ago, there was PBA. And then when they went out of business, that was the end. So uh, I have to go to Atlanta. Um, it's sad where they know me in Atlanta now yeah. at the airport. You know, Kathleen, uh, I think there was a move to move the uh, the uh, capital of uh, Florida from Tallahassee to some, maybe someplace like Orlando, centrally located. I think the reason why ta- we're in Tallahassee, the capital there, is because it was created there before the time of air conditioning and wanted to be more uh, more closer to the other uh, United States. So uh, do, what do you think about moving the capital? Well, two things. First of all, that's one of the reasons. The other reason was when Florida became a state, uh, there were really only three cities uh, in the state of Florida. There was Pensacola, huh. Jacksonville, and Key West. And so to, to, for the capital back then, they decided to go halfway between Pensacola and Jacksonville and landed in Tallahassee. Huh. And no one ever thought that Florida would develop the way it did. And Key West was accessible only by boat at that time. So, of course, then I think in the 60s or 70s, there was a movement to move it. And um, very quickly, uh, the, the uh, members of the House and, and the Senate that were from this area uh, allocated funds in the budget to build what we call the tower, which is the uh, uh, office building of the House and the Senate that has, has a lot of the staff and whatever. And so once they did that, it, it kind of precluded the move. Um, and I, I don't see it happening, but... I would like to see more accessibility. Yeah. Uh, there is a direct flight from Miami, so people on the East Coast can get there. But from where Southwest Florida, there's just no way, and it's a six-and-a-half-hour drive uh, on either I-75. And then when you get towards Gainesville, it's like bumper-to-bumper traffic and yeah. fog and everything. Or you can take the scenic route, which is really lovely, but still, you know, it's a long trip. You know, I, I, I've made the trip. I went up, uh, I was uh, asked by Governor Scott for his inauguration to be the uh, MC for the inaugural parade, which I was just honored, so thrilled to, to participate in that I way. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. But it, <laughs> the drive is it, it's just interminable. It goes on forever. So, <laughs> You know, that last, that last 
two hours, I do what I fondly call chair dancing, which is I put music on really loud and I just kind of jump around in my seat to keep myself awake. <laughs> I understand the sentiment. So uh, you, right now, your special session starts in just a few hours uh, addressing the whole issue about congressional maps. Uh, what, mm-hmm. do you, what are your anticipation? What are your expectations? Well, the uh, committee, we're going to gavel in at noon. And then the uh, reapportionment committee is going to meet. The governor's uh, staff are going to present uh, his ideas, and uh, we'll probably take it up. We've already seen um, what he proposes and uh, had our our attorneys look at it, uh, the question being, do we feel that it's defensible and um, uh, constitutional? You know, and, and, you know, my thoughts are, as I looked at it, is, you know, there's so many different ways of drawing a map as long as, long as you follow the law. Uh, so we'll take a look at it. I'll listen. I'm not on that committee, but I'm going to watch it on TV while I'm <laughs> in between meetings. And um, then we come in at the end of the day today to consider what the committee has been looking at. And we'll vote tomorrow, and uh, I suspect we will approve the governor's suggested map, maybe a couple of tweaks, then we'll go home. And then the governor yesterday called another special session for sometime later in May to address the property insurance crisis. Um, so that you know, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's it's got to be important because, uh, you know, I asked my insurance agent, what should I do about property insurance? Well, let me give you the choices that you have, and he gave me one company. <laughs> <laughs> so right. there should be more choices than that here in, in Florida. And apparently just people, uh, insurers are running away from the risks. Why is that? Um, one reason, well, there are two reasons. One of uh, the um, the concept of the hurricanes and whatever that people, the, and the number of claims uh, based upon that. But overwhelmingly, it's the number of claims because uh, there are a small group, a very small group, maybe about 50 trial lawyers, who have um, they have have turned Florida into um, litigation state. And there are one suit after the other. You hear about it now. You know, it started, years ago it was mold, then it was sinkholes, windshields. Now it's roof uh, claims. And there are lawyers who are telling people that they can get them a free roof if they only have one tile missing. And, it, and they've been filing a lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And, it's, and of course, cl- the, those claims are what drives up the cost. Yeah. Because, as everybody knows, the cost of insurance is based upon the cost of claims, yeah. the number of claims. So we have thousands of claims. I mean, claims for Irma are still coming in. Yeah. So if you don't know you have a, a roof in your roof from Irma, you don't have a leak in your roof. So, so is, is there a... Is there some sort of a legal solution for this? Well, we need to we need to do tort reform, and the trial lawyers, the very small group who have a ton of money, have been able to stop that process. And frankly, I'm very disappointed that the Senate did pass a property bill, a roof claim bill, this past session, and the House would not take it up. Specifically, the Speaker of the House would not take it up. There are members of the House that wanted to, and mm-hmm. wouldn't allow it. Hmm. So. Uh... It sounds like the uh, the governor is serious about this and would like to see it resolved. Yes, so uh, that that's good news indeed. Do you happen to know, he also mentioned there could be some other things that didn't make it across the finish line, quote-unquote. Uh, do you well, ha- have any idea what he has in mind? He mentioned yesterday the um, uh, surfside issue, the condominium law, which uh, we were just about there, then ran out of time. I, I have no no problem with doing that because that is a, an issue. Right. There's some other bills that didn't make it across the finish line for one reason or the other, and I don't think they're emergencies. Uh, but uh, you know, it's up to the governor if he if he wants to include those in the call. We'll see. Um, you know, the, the incoming speaker and I have a very um, uh, similar philosophy on on much of these issues. So. Uh, whatever we don't get done this summer, he and I can undertake once we take over in November. Great. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. And, by the way, in the next legislative session after the election, our president uh, president of the Senate. Kathleen, I just genuinely appreciate your uh, coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000 square foot uh, performing arts center in downtown Naples is going to be fabulous. And also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning, and uh, life is glorious down in the Paradise Coast, isn't it? It is fabulous, Boo. I mean, uh, the weather is just great. It's my favorite time of year. Yes, I agree. And, you know, the thing is, is that the word is out. The gig is up. People know how great it is. And this year, I think more than any other year, it's, and I keep saying that every year, I have never seen so many people down here, and this year exceeded all numbers. Yeah. And what, what's kind of interesting, too, is uh, the uh, people are st- you start to see car carriers going back, but restaurants are packed. I mean, uh, I think uh, there is a continued popularity of this area. And while we're seeing some real estate markets cool down because of interest rates going up and a number of factors, I don't think that's happening here. I don't either. No, I don't either. I think people are wanting to stay more and more people have decided they're not going back up north. They're going to become full-time residents down here. Yep. A lot of people stay longer like us. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we're kind of inching into almost being down here eight months. And uh, honestly, if we did not have family up north, I'm not sure that we wouldn't be down here almost 12 months. Well, I must say we're, we're here 12 months a year. And uh, from my standpoint, I really like it here. Uh, 12 months of the year. And in fact, for, in some ways, we like the summers more than the uh, than the season. Oh, I, I get that. I come down every summer for about 10 days and it's, I just, I just love it. But let's not tell anybody. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. We had to keep it a secret. Uh, this is my conundrum and maybe you <clears throat> can help me with an answer. I read a statistic that said there are almost, it's 1.8, so let's just round it up and say there are two job openings for every unemployed person. Mm -hmm. 
And plus, the unemployment rate has dropped to near pre-pandemic levels. And yet, nearly 2.5 million more households are receiving food stamps. So lots of jobs, and yet more and more people are going for food stamps. Uh, What's wrong with this picture? Is it like people are now used to uh, because there seems to be a permanent crisis, which is how they've packaged COVID. And so now more than ever, there's more dependence on government and people like it that way. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I have to say I haven't uh, fully prepared uh, a response. I mean, in other words, I haven't really researched it. But my my initial re- knee-jerk reaction is that, first of all, there are fewer people in employment. In other words, it became so difficult to become employed with uh vaccine mandates and mask mandates and all the things that were going on, some people that could afford to drop out of the workplace said, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this anymore. And just decided to either change their lifestyle or use their resources in order to replace their income. So that's one factor. And then the other is, uh, I believe, uh, so in other words, we have, to your point, we have a low unemployment rate, but we have fewer workers now than we had pre-pandemic. In other words, fewer people in the workforce. And if somebody isn't right. a, a working, looking for work, they no longer are included in the number of unemployed. But, you know, to be able to say, <clears throat> I quit, I'm not going to work, yep. you've got to have money to be able to do that. Yep. I mean, look at the cost of gas. I mean, you go into the grocery store and it's, it's staggering the price of things. It's true. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. So expenses, inflation, mortgage rates, everything are going up. So I, I think you may want to change, if you don't like your job, you may change it for something else. But to just, what are all these people doing if they're not working? Well, it's, you're raising a great point. And uh, frankly, with the price of goods going up, I expect some more people will start to want to, get back in the workforce and find something in order to replace that income. The other part of your question is, why more people on food stamps? Well, let's face it, this administration, in my opinion, wants to see people dependent on the government. They like big government. They they feel like they could garner more votes if they get people on the plantation dependent on government, and therefore that'll lead to votes for their, for, uh, their party. Unfortunately, what really brings dignity to a life or contributes to the dignity of a, of a life is to be able to work, to be able to participate in a common cause, to do something important with your life, to have meaning in your life. I think that's what work brings to us. And yet, unfortunately, we're seeing this administration uh, creating incentives to not work and the consequences more on people on food stamps. Yeah, you know, and I, it's, I know it's complicated. I, and I don't even understand the full extent of the complexities of not working. Mm-hmm. Like, is there, is there a sense of entitlement? Um, do people feel that there's been so much racism that let the government pay for everything? Uh, I don't need to work. I don't want to. I'm entitled. Uh, I, I, it's just, it's a mess. Well, I, I truly believe that everybody would like to have work, would like to do a job that they enjoy. So I, I that's, that's a, a premise. I strongly believe that everybody would like to work and nobody wants to be dependent on the government. I think what happens though, is that, uh, we reach a tipping point where some people say, you know what, the hassle of the mask, the hassle of the vaccines, the hassle of this and that. You know, I finally say, well, maybe I can figure out some way to make it without having to go to work. I, I, well, another contributor was, uh, of course, uh, uh, kids, p- parents seeing what their kids are learning. They, the kids were at home and learning, and they're taking a look at the curriculum and saying, my goodness, this is the garbage that we're seeing <laughs> our kids exposed to. We don't, we don't want to participate in that anymore. Isn't that awesome that DeSantis uh, uh, said that there are 24 books? that we're not giving our kids anymore. Yeah. Good for him. I mean, he is, he's just getting at it. I think it's just fabulous. Well, the number. And I, I don't, I, you know, schools shouldn't be teaching this stuff. And that's right. And keep in mind, that's 54 books. And keep in mind that these are math books. These are not social studies where you obviously you'd expect this stuff to proliferate. How, how does critical race theory get into a math book for crying out loud? 
I don't know. It almost makes you want to go get the books and look to see how they've done it. Yeah. Well, right now there's a, a, a law, uh, a uh, case in Collier County. The Collier County uh, uh, School Board uh, violated a, a court ruling saying that the uh, there had to be a, a period of time where parents and uh, taxpayers could review the uh, content of the books. So now. Uh, Keith Law at the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance and about 25 or 30 other folks are going through the books, the textbooks in Collier County to see if they violated the uh, state law and if they have pornography and the other things that they're seeking and looking for. And if they do, uh, then the Collier County is going to have to replace the books. See, but, you know, that's Collier County. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But why aren't more and more states doing that? Well, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we have some governors that uh, can, that uh, support critical race theory. And <laughs> can you believe the governor of Utah introduced himself in a speech and gave his pronouns? I mean, buy, talk about buying into the woke nonsense. It's just un incredible. So we do have some some leaders, elected leaders, unfortunately, who buy into this crap. Oh my heavens! See, I don't even get the pronoun thing. No, I don't even. Uh, you know, if you're biologically a guy, then we're, that why does that become a mystery that you have to declare what your pronoun is? Well, you know, this gender spectrum and nonsense. I mean, the fact is, you know, if you're born with uh, as a male, I don't care what you do to your body or how you dress, you're still a male. <laughs> so it's That's not right. it's not complicated, boo. Boo, you know what? I always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks for raising this very interesting question. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You bet. All Bye right. Now. Have a great week, Boo. All right. Coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, uh, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. 
We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about uh, Less Government. Yeah, we exist for the society, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and all the big boys don't. No, it's a big task for sure. It's a wide open market, as they say. So, Seton, you wrote, I think, a great piece. The research that you did on this must have been amazing. But anyhow, it's called The Biggest Online Counterfeit Problem Isn't Theft on Amazon, It's Theft by Amazon. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I discovered about a year and a half ago, you know, well, first of all, Amazon is a total crook. You know, and and I speak as someone who orders from them because they're a crook. But, um... They haven't made money on retail, basically, in, in their entire existence. They've been subsidizing their retail business with their cloud uh, web service to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars a year, which lets them undercut everybody else and drive everybody else out of business. Uh, not only that, uh, they steal from vendors, third-party vendors that come on the site. They steal their products, replicate them, and then when you search for that product, Amazon's product comes up at the top of the search engine, and the person they ripped off is on page eight of the search results. And they were outed in India. Uh, Some some paperwork, some uh, whistleblower released a bunch of documents where uh, it was just institutional. They'd asked every vendor a bunch of questions about the product they really shouldn't have any business asking other than to learn about it, to then replicate it and steal it. And they were selling those stolen products not just in India but all over the world. The, the, one of their companies, um, you know, they, they come up with all these little companies to sell their Amazon products, um, was selling in the United States. Uh, additionally, uh, Wall Street Journal talked to a bunch of employees who said that about 10% of Amazon sales are their own products, and most of their own products were first stolen from someone else. Wow. And 10% of global sales last year was over $40 billion. Wow. That's a lot. And that's just one company. You know, and not all of that's intellectual property theft, of course. They have to manufacture the stolen merchandise and all that. But they're just, you know, it's a huge intellectual property problem. And, of course, just to demonstrate how corrupt D.C. is, they're currently working on two pieces of legislation allegedly to address online counterfeiting. Mm-hmm. And Amazon protests and objects to the bill. eBay objects and protests to the bill, but not for the reason we've just discussed. The, the, the bill turns them into, they, it actually makes them responsible for online uh, theft, for the, for, the, for the counterfeits. And so it turns them into police officers of their, of their own website, which, of course, they should be because it's their website. Right. But the funny part is it's for actual third-party vendors who are ripping people off, not being ripped off by Amazon, but ripping off themselves, which is a tiny fraction of Amazon ripping off the third-party vendors. Yeah, amazing. And the bills don't address Amazon ripping off the third-party vendors at all. Yeah. You know, we bought, uh, Seton, we bought some uh, Perrier online, and we got the bottles, and boy, this didn't look like, I mean, the wrapping was kind of uh, inferior and so forth, but it uh, turned out that they were going through a third-party vendor, and they were charging us, they were, in, in the small print, you have to take a look at your receipts, we found it like a $19 charge for the delivery or for processing or whatever uh, of this Perrier water, of this case of... Well, you should have known when it was, wasn't Perrier, it was Derrier. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. But, um. And again, this is another, you know, cop out for for Amazon. You approach them about that, and a lot of the times they'll say, "Well, that's a third party vendor. We're not responsible." Yeah. I'm like, it's on your platforms, thieves. I uh, know you're responsible, and of course they're not. They say they're not, and then the laws are written by them to to ensure that they're not. So now, of course, you know they're the biggest uh, IP. They're the biggest counterfeiter in the world, and Congress is working on two laws to address online counterfeiting, and neither of them apply to to Amazon. That's just amazing story, Seat. So how's this all going to turn out, in your opinion? Uh, Badly. Uh, If these (laughs) bills pass at all. I don't think Amazon wants them to pass. 
because it makes them responsible for third party counterfeits. So I don't think it's going to. I don't think either one's going to pass because Amazon doesn't want them to. Amazing stuff, Seaton. So, uh, but it's such such interesting. And now I understand the products were being sold in India, and it's not only that. Uh, what what's India got to do with? It? I've forgotten that part of the story. Well, it was just somebody, some some uh, Amazon people whistleblew, ah, and released documents that proved that there was institutional third theft and counterfeiting going on by Amazon in India. And the point I made in the piece was. If they're doing it to this degree, this institutionally, this is a, you know, Amazon-wide uh, thing in India. This is, a, this is a way of doing business in India. Do you think Amazon anywhere else is doing it institutionally? I would say so. Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, as, as the Wall Street Journal piece uh, related, that was, those were employees in the United States saying, yeah, we worked in the... Uh, in the Amazon uh, product division, and we spent a lot of our time ripping people off and copying them. That was our job. Yeah. When do you think? Uh, when do you think uh, Amazon is going to be uh, the retail business become uh, profitable? It never. It's, that's the point. Hmm. The point is they undercut everybody. Amazing. The, the, the point of Amazon retail is to destroy all other retailers. See, I just don't understand how they could they they actually deliver no charge for delivery that type of thing. I just don't know. Yeah, how. they're undercutting everybody. Yeah. Plus, they get I think they get a dollar seventy a package discount by the United uh, by the Postal Service. And now they got their own uh, brigade of trucks. They've got their own uh, fleet. Well, yeah, they started they they started in house delivery too. Um, because FedEx and, and, and UPS weren't giving them a, the same sweetheart deal the, the U.S. Postal Service was. Yeah. So they, they have started insourcing some of their deliveries, depending upon what area you're in. Yes. Seaton, a great story, though. I just encourage our listeners to visit your website, uh, lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. And again, the story is the biggest online counterfeit problem isn't theft on Amazon. It's theft by Amazon. Great story, Seaton. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Linda is my wife. She's also extremely well-formed. Uh, so visit social media, and she knows what she's kind of up-to-date and everything that's going on. We'll look forward to find out what's on her mind. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Well, 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden, my wife. She also wrote uh, Greetings from Paradise. She declares she's no longer going to be writing that, but you can find her previous issues on my website. You can go to bobharden.com and check, do the pull-down tab on Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So what's on your mind today? Well, where can we begin? Um, the fact that... Uh, that wonderful judge in Florida removed all the mask mandates for the airlines How and about TSA. That? And, uh, you know, I was on social media this morning early, and, and they were filming uh, the announcements on planes when that ruling came through, and people were cheering. And there's this one woman, a flight attendant, who was carrying uh, – it was a guy. Uh, he was carrying a, uh, a trash bag through the aisle. And he he had a beautiful voice, and he was singing. You can throw your your mask right in here. It was so cute, and everybody yeah. was cheering. It was a happy, happy day for a, a lot of folks. A happy day. In fact, I I saw one thing where the flight attendant was actually crying. She was so happy about <laughs> about the announcement that she was making about the uh, about the uh, the mask. So that's all good news. And TSA is not going to enforce uh, the mask mandate in the airport. So we're moving in the right direction. Although I understand that Biden is still considering mass vaccine mandates. Uh, the same man who was led around by the Easter Bunny on the White House lawn yesterday, who couldn't, they wouldn't let him talk about anything. The Easter Bunny, this person dressed up like an Easter Bunny, would go and stop him from sniffing children and talking about Pakistan. Smelling their hair. It, that is so, you know what, you're absolutely right saw a clip of that and you see the easter bunny out there with the easter egg uh, roll uh which was yesterday and uh, biden's walking around and he's talking about afghanistan and something off topic uh, with a couple of uh people who are there when Small he wasn't crowd. sniffing children yeah there. and so uh and the easter bunny comes up and gets between him and the people he's speaking with and so obviously a democrat operative somehow said we're going to dress you up as an easter bunny and make sure that you're controlling what the president right. said well it was a white house employee that, that who was doing it it's just <laughs> you can't you can't make it up and and wait it gets worse because because um he's supposed to start the easter egg roll right yeah and he's standing right in the way of all these little kids and and they say blow the whistle blow the whistle and and he blew the whistle for them to start he almost got run down by all these kids because he's standing right in the middle of the of the of the track. Then he's up on the up on the uh, on the second floor and saying Happy Easter, and Jill's saying Wave, Wave, wave telling wave. him to what to do. Um, and that combined with what happened last week, where he's speaking at I don't remember where, and he's he's on the in one speech he was talking about his his uh, father who was of course deceased and he turns around with his back to the audience and starts talking to yeah and then and then he reaches out and to shake uh the hand of of someone who wasn't there you know i'm laughing and the fact of the matter is it's kind of a constitutional crisis because he clearly is not in control of his faculties he does he doesn't uh, he's not totally all there unfortunately well he's senile yeah and uh um, he's the leader of the free world. I mean, this is this is a problem. He's got the the little box with the nuclear device. Listen, you you say it's not good to laugh, but the rest of the world is laughing yeah. at him. I mean, it's it's the truth. This is so pathetic, and it's and it's no wonder um, that this this war is going on in in Ukraine, whatever, to try and distract from from all the stuff that he's doing. I mean, it is such a desperate desperate. Um, time for for this administration because they don't know what to do you're right about a constitutional crisis what the heck are they going to do if if they throw the net over joe and and take him off to the funny farm or the old people's home which they should get him out of office who's left kamala harris that then the then the um senate has got a problem because kamala yeah. it's 50 50 and kamala harris is the tiebreaker yeah so they've got their um they've they've got gotten themselves into a an awful mess then um they were talking about how the democrats uh are in a mess anyway because everybody who's running the democrat party is really old yeah i mean diane feinstein is going to be 90 years old yeah um uh nancy pelosi is over 80 there's not there's not anyone who's 
who's running the country that is not um, under 75. Now, Kirsten Cinema is, is uh, younger, as is uh, uh, Joe Manchin is younger. But, but the, I'm talking in I'm talking in the in the people who have are yeah. really have have influence. I mean, it, it's it's pretty amazing. It is very sad indeed. Uh, but you know what? The, I think the, the midterms are coming up. I think people are pretty angry about inflation, about the border, about all the things that are going on right now. I think there's going to be a change in uh, in leadership. I, you know what? I can't even look to the midterms. We're only in April. Yeah. And something has to happen. Yeah. Because we're in deep, deep, deep doo-doo right now in this country with so many things. I mean, we've got the ma- ma- mask mandate off, but I'm sure they'll challenge that. But we're trying to grasp at our freedom one little step at a time. And and meanwhile, the, the country's going to hell in a handbasket. I just, I just took a picture of took screenshots this morning of of we're, we have to be worried about the banks and the control of the banks and the control of the money in this world because it's very scary. There's four pages of all the banks that the Rothschilds own. Mm-hmm. Four pages in teeny tiny print all over the world. And guess two major ones that the Rothschilds control is guess what? What? The Federal, Our Federal Reser- Reserve and the IRS. Yeah. And the IRS. The IRS. Huh. So interesting. Well, I have to uh, dig into that story a little bit because I, I don't know anything about that. that well, it's it's very scary, and 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 all about the money in the Vatican and, and all of this with Bill Gates, and and it's all intertwined. It's very very sobering. Yeah, indeed it is. Well, and but right now some good things are happening. For example, nineteen attorneys general are asking the Supreme Court to uphold a lower court's order instructing Biden administration to follow the law and fully reinstate the migrant protection protocols, which is like the Remain in Mexico policy. Apparently, that the the the, the, the uh, court said you have to keep that policy in effect, and he's you know what he did? He ignored it. He's breaking the law. Well, he's breaking the law every every single second. I mean, he really is. But let, let's just rewind for a second to go back to the money. Um, I, I posted this on social media, and nobody's been. I posted it to uh, Jesse Waters, to Tucker Carlson, to all these people to look into it. But we, we, there is no accountability for all this money that we're sending to Ukraine. Nobody's got a, a laundry list of okay, we checklist for this, um, this, um, these guns or whatever, right? How do we know? Because of all the the nefarious things that the Bidens, the Clintons, whatever, have done to launder money through Ukraine for all these years, how do we know that all the money that our taxpayer dollars are sending to Ukraine are not getting laundered in yeah. t- into the pockets of, of these people who have laundered money there for so long? Yeah, you know, thanks for, for coming back to that point because the fact of the matter is that uh, Joe Biden and uh, Hunter Biden accepted money, had uh, deals with Ukraine, and how, how much of that is influencing what's happening with the policy. Seems to me that the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, uh, he's demonstrating great courage in many ways. Oh, but why? Because because he's doing a photo op with 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 uh, reporters every single second. Yeah, but I just I just wonder why he's. They say he's winning the war. Well, why not negotiate a peace settlement? Because if you have the upper hand right now, your people are getting creamed. They're getting killed. There's four million people that have been displaced out of their homes. Uh, why not have some sort of a peace settlement right now? But he says no. We're going to fight to the death. By the way. How do we know that anything that comes out of Zelensky's mouth or anything that's come out, coming out of Ukraine is true? Yeah, I mean, I, it it really worries me. There, there, the Congress is no, oh, we're we're sending a billion here, a billion there, two hundred or eight hundred million last week, and they said we're, it's all these, all these um, uh, means to fight the war. Is anybody keeping a list? Is uh, anyone checking it off? Where is this money going? And well, oh, by the way, shortly after the the. Um, the Russians attacked Ukraine. Um, guess who opened the the reopened their Clinton Global Initiative? Of course, Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, you can't tell me that something really bad is happening to our money over there. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Of course, and uh, of course, uh, only to pile on a little bit. But what's happening on the on the border, uh, Mexico, right now, it's kind of chilling in terms of uh, Biden's intent. Just... They, they don't they don't care. It's it's really awful. And you know what? Just bring something up. One thing more up before before you yank me off. If you look at the map, they always show the map of Ukraine, right? Yeah. Where where is all the quote unquote bombing going? 
It's all on the eastern side of Ukraine. They're saying, oh, they're going to take over the country. Then why is Russia only concentrating on the eastern cities of Ukraine? Yeah. And I will leave you with one word. Biolabs. Biolabs. Okay, well, it's so interesting. Thanks for opening up that can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, and Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josefa Savaz, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. BobHarden at Hotmail.com. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's how we spread the news and, uh, of course, uh, uh, and patronize our advertisers as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.